0: I like a good rom-com once in a while man dude i don't mind them on a day like today you might pop on a rom-com curl some up. fuzzy slippers yeah a little warm bed cry it out a little bit dude why not shit all right dude here we hey. go hi this is our podcast gearboats podcast and it's a number episode 132 Here we go. Here we go. I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? This is the podcast. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's dive into the symphony of corrections. I want to try to. Maybe I'll throw a different lazy accent at that every week. You never know. Maybe I'll forget next time we do this. You did say orange earlier. I did uh, a orange. Uh, Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. I'm trying something new today, folks. I'm still getting used to it. I've got instead of holding the iPad in my hands with the outline. I've got it on a music stand. Yeah, if you
1: guys can hear Henry looking off to his uh, right a little bit.
0: Yeah, I feel like normally I would look off to the left. Yeah. to get out. We'll the see way how the it affects stand. your transitions. In between. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm under. I'm in a bit of a spotlight because it's so the uh, the screen is so bright, but I still want to have good. You have good posture right now. You know what it looks like? What does it, it look like? It looks like you're doing
1: reads for like um like those like um like an audio audition or something. Or like, oh, I would like to narrate
0: your story for. I'm you. auditioning for your friendship. <laughs> you already got the job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ching! Here we go. Thank you for listening to this. Thank you for listening to our ding dong musings that we do. Follow us on the stuff Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe Spotify, Apple. Let's get into it. Oh, let's see. Let's see, dude. I let's just start. Let's just start strong here. Coming in hot. I came back. I had a little prodigal son return visit. I visited Chicago Music Exchange for the first time since pre-pandemic, and it was. It was wild, man. Did you play any TARS? I played some TARS. What'd you check out? Well, so the first thing that I'll say is that it was awesome to see everybody. So hi, yeah. all my friends there that are still there. And uh, first of all, one of my main, my main, I wouldn't say complaints, but if I could have had my druthers while I was working there, I always wish that there were less, this might, sound, this might sound controversial. I wish there were less guitars, fewer guitars mm-hmm. on the floor. Right. I felt like it, things got a little clogged. It's got a, little, a little, little messy, perhaps sometimes. It's with, a little like, like overwhelming, like with the amount of choices, or what? And it's always going to be a little overwhelming. Yeah. But they have really spaced stuff out, man. It's like the the floor is open. Oh, the guitar So there's less on the floor. There's now. much less on the floor. Oh, interesting. They're they're they've even gone out of their way to spread even the guitar hangers on the walls out mm-hmm. a bit more. Part of it was this, I, you know, move to make things feel a little more open and airy and fresh, and, mm-hmm. and so especially because you know it's all still masked in COVID yeah. times. Is it,
1: uh, is it still appointment only, or is it?
0: Can you? No, you there? can just walk on in. But they're only open Tuesday through Saturday right now. Okay, uh, and. The other thing is as i was talking to some of my friends first of all everything that we've experienced and talked about on the show i'd say i was hearing the same things in terms of the market Mm -hmm. how how high it is how you know it's healthy and strong sounds like they're doing great over there to the point that they are having a hard time even keeping guitars in the showroom so that part of the other reason that it's aired out in there is that they just don't have as many guitars as they used they to. They just get something just, in and sell it right away. It sells right away. Yeah. And, and it's even because of all the other half of it is that, as we've talked about, it being hard to get certain types of instruments or certain anything right now. Chips, silicon chips, you know, just the shipping woes the mm. world has had. They just have a hard they're not getting as many new guitars yeah. as they used to. So again, yeah, and, and as soon as anything comes in, it's basically going out. It's kind of crazy. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess... I don't know how much of this I could get into. I heard certain things about certain brands that like they haven't been able to get big brand like normal, just regular guitars from big brands for months, like new stuff, and they might not get new stuff for like a, a year or more. For yeah, some of it. that it's sounds crazy. about right. Which luckily to me, they have a healthy used section. So. Oh yeah, some some <laughs> of the best. Although again, man, like I said, even in you know what normally like they they they're selling bursts like they, what would normally be in the in the fancy crazy hands-off case even that was still just like a cool guitar but nothing dude there was actually one a guitar i've never seen before a 1960 335 but had been factory ordered with a 345 neck so 1960 you know that's i mean second year Mm -hmm. and instead of just being the bound dot inlay or no actually in 1960 i don't think it would have even been bound yet it would just been a dot inlay neck it has a three forty five, which is bound, and then the split parallelogram, which is one of my favorite. necks. And I've never owned a Gibson that has split parallelograms in it. Yeah, but that guitar was fucking gorgeous. So it was a it was a sunburst. No, it was natural top finish, dude. It was. so it is, it is that like the is that the reddish? No, it's oh, like that's just wood like brown, but like light, or like a lightish yeah, wood, and yeah, it is yeah. might be a one of one guitar, like wow. one of the rarer guitars I've ever seen. They no have that shit. Either. I also got to check out. But they're asking a pretty penny on that bad boy. I th- I, it's over seventy five thousand. I know okay. that. Yeah, uh, the I got to play some Tom Murphy, uh, Murphy Labs Gibson. Oh, cool! Which I hadn't actually seen those in person. I've yet. seen them a ton of them on Reverb and stuff. If you follow, yeah, with those that balls. new series that they're doing. I mean, I played. So Tom he, Murphy Gibson's before, yeah. you know. I mean, he's been working there for a long time. But but Murphy Labs. No, right. I hadn't played the specific Murphy. So are these Labs like guitars. the Relic versions then? Totally, yeah. Okay. And they and and they sort of vary. Some of them are on the heavier side. Some of them are on the lighter yeah. side. But they do. They just feel honestly like they to me. They feel like every old Gibson I've ever, wow. ever picked up. They like they have that that vibe and yeah, feel I and, love and, that. and look. Like and there are some of them that like there's one SG. Uh, it was like a '63 style SG cool. that I played. That honestly, I. You're like, I, I love those. it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not cheap. You know, they're, they're expensive yeah. custom shop instruments, but you, yeah. uh, they're, it's certainly a fraction of what you'd pay for a real Well, they're north 63. of like 10 grand probably, right? The Yeah. They, they're between like seven and 10. The uh, SG's on what being it is. a little cheaper. Yeah. The SG's yeah. are a little cheaper. I think this, that SG was around like $8,000 yeah. something like that. But yeah, I mean, compared to
1: like spending, you know, 40 grand on something vintage. Right. Exactly. hundred or whatever. Or more. Right. Yeah. So
0: I, I really liked them. I was impressed. And I also got to finally see the pacific peach finish oh finish in person and
1: possible. how did it compare to
0: the photos that we've seen of it? i think that they did a great job like, you know you know how it is you're a designer boy like you can you can tweak colors you can make yeah. stuff look different and then sure. when you see it in person it might feel a lot different you don't want to disappoint people no no but i you know you still want it to look vibrant and yeah. pop off the page the <clears throat> it looked great in person looked exactly it had a that's a little bit of orange like we're we're talking about yeah. but it's still like between sort of pink and orange mm-hmm. uh looked real nice with the head cap the the fingerboards you know again we you and I like a much darker board but I still think if that's like If you're okay with the power which I I am theoretically, I mean, tonally, it sounds exactly the same as rosewood. It's just a much more sustainable wood. So that's why the brands have gone to it. I do have
1: a touch and tips for this week about that specific topic. Let's
0: hear it. Did you look up staining fretboards? Uh,
1: I didn't, but I got some advice from somebody who has looked into it already. Okay. Now, this is, I'm not saying anybody should do this. Oh, no. But what people are using, they're not using stain, they're using shoe polish. Ah. So just be careful if you do it because that shit will get everywhere. Yeah, that seems, I could never do that. I don't think I would care enough to do it. Yeah. But
0: I don't know. I could see it looking great. I'm sure it would look good for a little while. But then also, there's no way, dude, there's no way you're not going to get shoe polish on your strings. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know how long it has to like cure and like if you maybe you spray a coat of something. You know, over I got, we need to once we're not on the mics, we need to talk about this again. So then I can remember to, to look it up and, okay. and come up to my, own, yeah. my own conclusions on this because it, it does.
1: We'll send it, it to, interest the, me. to the corrections for next week. Dude,
0: oh, man. I gotta but remember. yeah,
1: no, that's because I was talking to a friend who's Shoe interested polish. in doing it. And I was like, can you just use stain? And he's like, absolutely not um something about the way the wood's already been cured that it won't totally it won't accept the stain so you'll just be like sitting on top of it but shoe polish for whatever reason seems to be the answer for people who hmm. care about that kind of stuff so. shoe polish mm-hmm. i'm gonna, I'm going
0: to look at the, I'm going to look into that here we go got some dude did you see Nathaniel Ratliff is doing a reverb shop right now i did which is pretty i didn't awesome. look at any of the items but i saw yeah so it started yesterday or mm, a couple days ago before this taping which will come out I guess that'll this will come out November first, right? So just post Halloween, Happy Halloween, Happy folks. Halloween, everybody.
1: Hope you had a safe Halloween.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, again, let's jump into the future brains. Uh, so Pepper, our our former guest and good buddy uh, James Pepper, uh, definitely played a major part in getting the shop going. Uh, it all benefits the Marigold Project, which is Nathaniel Ratliff's charity organization i don't I'll, I'll be honest i don't know exactly what they do oh it's dedicated to economic racial and social justice i don't know exactly what they do with it but all the a majority of the proceeds are going towards cool. that he's got a an old gibson b2512 which okay. is cool that he plays uh, on that tiny desk concert that the uh, oh, on MPR. So if, nice. you, if you want to get that guitar uh the, the thing that tickled me the most dave and i've got to tell you is that the nathaniel rateliff's blackface uh, Fender Princeton's come up in this article. Which is
1: signature, am- I mean, not signature, but it's his he's, That's what hand. he's known for. Yeah. He
0: uses live, he talks about two Fender yeah. Princeton reverbs. Oh. He had a new one, completely hand-wired to replicate the 64 black sure. panel, he says, if you've ever seen me play live, I'm playing through a Princeton reverb. Well, oh, Dave, you may recall, I happen to have had that exact amplifier in this living room before. Yeah.
1: Is that the one that's for sale?
0: No, he's not. No, he would never sell that. It's his, like his yeah. baby. okay, band, I was going to say. Which is the one that I got to have in here and play for a day and, and do the Kemper profile. Uh, but he's selling one that he had basically designed to clone. Nice. That was a good contact. Sorry right about there. that. Uh, whacked right. my I'll, headphones against the mic. I'll, uh, I'll, maybe I'll remember to edit it. Let it slide. Out. And uh, if the, he had that amp cloned and that's the one that he's selling on the shop. So cool. I just, you know, selfishly, I'm like, oh, my God, I would I, almost. I have played that amp. And then today, dude, I got to tell you, I fucking, I busted out the Kemper and went did to some, those profiles. Oh yeah, and dialed through it in, those, Right through those. I forgot about Princeton's. that. Yeah. Forgot you dialed all that in. I did five different profiles. Oh, that's cool, man. Different mics and uh, one, like one, I used a fuzz pedal. I used a harmonic percolator and stuff.
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder if I would, if I would rather have the hand wired or the vintage. If I was like touring, you know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is he uh, has pepper and an amp tech that like he has every night on the looking road looking with over him. It, so yeah. like, the, yeah, you can play that kind of stuff because if you bust a cap and yo ass you've got a you've got, tech got probably got just, a backup. you've got backups and yeah. you've got a tech right and they've got a kemper with that profile in it which i don't think they would ever use but they have his backup boom there's that go check it out if you're interested in buying i looked i, I think most of the stuff's still available as of this morning so go cool. check it out uh there was another gear theft that we're going to go into the BFI slash GFI category was. here. Yeah, the band Mannequin Pussy, who Sweet name. you may have checked out. They're a punk band from I don't know the East Coast, I think. Okay, uh, they had their they were on tour in Akron, Ohio, Fuck. and had their van and trailer stolen with a whole bunch of stuff. Ugh. Unfortunate, they got the whole van and everything. Everything. Fuck. it was insured. So that's nice. And they've done the GoFundMe thing. And when I looked this morning, it, they had a $30,000 goal that was already at $44,000 and they haven't closed it off yet. So if you decide that you want to give them some of your cash, you can do that. Uh, yeah. Cause we all fucking hate. There's a special place in hell. What do you do with that gear? I like, I, I feel yeah. like I do. People, you have to sit the on internet like now. Forever. People are just going to be keeping their eyes open for that shit for a while. Like they have fans that are dedicated to looking for this. You yeah, know?
1: it's not like you can just throw it up next week because someone's going to be looking for it. I don't know. Stop fucking stealing gear. I yeah. don't think. I don't
0: think anybody listening. To it, this is, it is. It is
1: interesting though, because like with a car, there's chop shops where you can like take the cereals off. You can part them out. You can take them apart.
0: But a guitar, yeah. it's like
1: it's got to stay. Especially if
0: yeah, I guess that's another thing, folks. There's another reminder write down your cereals, if, yeah. especially if you're going to be taking that guitar outside into the world. Write down your serial numbers. And your levers. photos, yeah, absolutely. Get them faux get them uh, We've got to catch up on one more thing that we had in the symphony in the past here, and this is Les Paul's iconic number one Les Paul. You remember, may remember that we talked about that going up for au- auction at some point in the future. Well, it has auctioned, Dave. Whoa. Would you like to guess what it was so... If what did it if, start? If, you, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll yeah, recall, let's refresh. it was a... A 51-52, mm-hmm. which obviously the guitar didn't actually come out until 1952. Gold Top, Les Paul. It had a bunch of it was weird. his weird stuff done to it where he he rewound the neck pickup. Uh, he There's a big old big old pickguard on the top of it because he cut out a big chunk in the middle in between the two pickups. And he installed what he yeah. called a Q-coil, which allowed him... He, would, he could basically use that as a humbucker with his bridge pickup. Uh, he had both high he had he'd hogged out a bunch of wood in the back, put a transformer in there so he could do either high or low impedance pickups, had two separate outputs on the guitar for that weird wang bar situation it it started the estimate the uh, it was at christie's uh you know auction house in London estimated price tag of hundred and fifty thousand what's your guess? what do you think it sold for
1: mm first one I mean it's super collectible but also might
0: be like a total p o s it, it plays. Yeah. They, they've, uh, I watched a video with, I can't remember his personal text name, but he talked about even, you know, having been with him for 40, however, 50 years, yeah. however long he was with him, all the yeah, less just busting stuff out. But yeah, he, it, it, it still plays. It still does. Um, it still does a thing. I'm going to say, let's just go half a million. 930,000 dollars. Wow. Yeah. I almost, my instinct did want to say a million, but. Which, uh... man, you know, now that I'm saying that number, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember what Johnny Ramone's right sold for? Because it might have been $930,000. Was it? I I, thought it was in the sevens. I thought it was in the nines. And for some reason, I want to say it was also $930,000, which would be crazy to me. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, does Les Paul still have the kind of wide fan base that the Ramones have? Of course not. But I think that the people that know about guitars in particular care about that. Yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. that brings, and, and it, again, it was another. Yeah, you mean Les Paul, the person. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the
1: fans of the guitars. But even those, you know, even if you're a fan of the guitar, I don't know who would want number one, I guess is the question. You know, any,
0: I, I could see any. I mean, I'll guitar, take any, it, any high end, and one of any of the big boy guitar shops yeah. honestly would want that or guitar. like, a, you it's know, like a crown jewel, maybe kind of like a museum or a rock and roll hall of fame oh, type place. Or t- the thing with, I think like I know rock and roll hall of fame, most of that stuff gets donated by the yeah. people who owns it. So right. I don't know if they're going to be buying it, but yeah, hopefully, yeah, those types of instruments. Hopefully it's somewhere we've we talked see about it. this, like Jim Ursay, mm-hmm. you know, the, his collection stuff. Like I hope that these important famous guitars yeah. just are out like in Like the, the black world. David Gilmore guitar. Or the yeah. Hendrix's Woodstock Strat and that kind of stuff cool wow that's that's a pretty penny pretty pretty penny for lester which uh before we before we leave the symphony here i might as well mention uh cappy dropping off his fucking his mods that i get to mod back to life for him now on his last Paul. we've talked about the guitar a lot throughout the years the earbuds podcast cappy's our good friend and uh he's he's a he's always towed that line between sort of beginner and intermediate guitarist and the, one of the ways that he he pushes himself into caring harder is by modding his guitar, which I think is a great it's a great approach. I agree. I, I think you so should too. Really enjoy what you're playing. I think the the problem is that he's you know he's seen me do a lot of this all of the stuff on that guitar before, and he got a little got a little big for his britches, and thought that he could replace the he, he went with a stop bar tailpiece to a different. It's basically a Duesenberg style. Yeah vibrato and uh, it didn't quite work out as he was thinking yeah so. it was a
1: little, it's aggressive I don't think I would have even I would have come to you un, like initially and just and just I know after it a yeah little, you know what you you're know, doing I know what I'm doing but
0: I'm still like Ugh. so that's fine I'd say if you're feeling comfortable with it go for it folks but then just be prepared to take it to yeah. your a local tech or and, yeah. one of your best friends who is a sucker and we'll just do it for free for <laughs> you and so now I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm actually because I've never had a guitar of my own with that specific vibrato on it so I've, I've i've like played them but yeah uh it'll be fun to get it working and, and i want to get it working and then have fun with it and see yeah. if i like it enough to ever it's part of me i think it i wouldn't say i, th- I find it unattractive i just i it's definitely don't like it as much as a it's Biggs a blue B.
1: burst also i'm not even color. talking
0: about the guitar i'm talking about the big just the yeah. vibrato bar itself i right. feel like it's you know it's an interesting design but i'm not sure if i i would say that i like how it looks what
1: do you have you have got something on the sg don't you Biggs i B? have a bigsby on yeah. that yeah interesting to the see B, how they compare
0: i always forget the designations as i think oh, it's yeah. like the b3 maybe? yeah there's the b3 and the b7 there's b7 is yeah. i think the b7 is the longer tailpiece version which you'd put on like a les paul like the, the sg always had the smaller sort of horseshoe style i mean they had the sideways vib- vibrola thing too but it, you never really got the big vibrato the big bigsby the big bigsby on an sg so. yeah
1: i i had a uh, i had a b7 i think it was maybe it was a b3 it was on a uh that harmony that i like dismantled and sold all mm. the parts for um but you come to find that it's basically like, besides like a stamp, it's the exact same
0: ones they used. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. They, they're, it's all still set. I think, I think like the LP shit. might have like an LP stamp or a G stamp for a Gibson or something. Yeah. But like, other
1: than that, it's the same metal and the same. And we've
0: talked about it before, but the the spring in the Bigsby yeah. came from a, a Harley Davidson engine. That's right.
1: That's pretty cool. Pretty cool fun fact. Paul
0: Bigsby was a motorcycle guy. Damn right. So, you know what, Dave? What's up? That brings us to the end of the symphony, which brings us to the beginning of my favorite segment every week. Get your notes out because, folks, it's time for Dave's Docs, Dave's Docs, it's time for Dave's, Dave's Docs. I don't, have, I don't know what you're doing this week, so I couldn't come up with a, a sort of sing-song pun of a song from the band, so uh, that was just me fucking going Yeah, for it, no,
1: but. that was probably, like, uh, couldn't be further from the band mm. that... Uh, I worked on, I wanted to, you know, it's time for That's closer. Yeah. Um, so no, well, a little bit, uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> What's funny. So once in a while I get recommendations for docs. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. I thank
0: my good friend, John, who uh, recommended this one to me, because normally Dave, you're the one doing the recommending to our entire listening. I
1: recommended the audience. Nobody recommends to me again. If you guys want to shout yeah. out of your favorite docs, if I haven't seen
0: it, I'll watch it. If I saw it a long time ago, I might even watch it. Hit us up it. on Instagram or via email gear, podcast at gmail.com. Com. I thought, you know, I thought this was appropriate too.
1: It's kind of a coincidence, but I thought because of the Halloween episode, mm. this one's pretty close to being appropriate as well. And I watched the nine lives of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, okay. It's on YouTube, on but it's a, uh, it's an A&E biography series on YouTube. So, mm. and I think it's officially released. Like I'm pretty sure I didn't know this because after, um, I finished that, they suggested a bunch of other A&E biographies. I don't know if you got, if you ever watched those, but they're fantastic i did you know a long time ago i mean they I do them about actors yeah, and they do them about right. you know musicians and all this so um but there's a lot there's a lot about ozzy i knew and there's a lot about ozzy i didn't know what's your what's your favorite
0: ozzy era like it's sabbath sabbath yeah okay. all right yeah the first like two records of sabbath yeah. um but it was fucking, say the first five records of sabbath like, give yeah me all, fuck day, it. all sabbath you know?
1: all sabbath all day
0: all ozzy sabbath all right um, talk, talk to me about mr osborne
1: Okay, subtitles are a must. If you watch this on YouTube, awesome. there's a subtitle button. Click it, closed caption. You'll, you'll thank me later. Um, his real name's John.
0: John Osborne. Did not know that. I think, uh, isn't that his kid's name too? Jack.
1: Jack. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack John and Jack. A, yeah, Those are interchangeable. The same, the same deal. Yeah, but yeah, Jack's his kid.
0: Um, so it's
1: actually a legit doc. It's like there's interviews with Rick Rubin, Post Malone, uh, his kids, uh, Sharon Osborne. So this Osborne, is fairly obviously. recent. It's Yeah, I want to say it was probably done in, like, 2019 or 2020. Sick. It was just uploaded to YouTube in October. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know when it came out or when they New filmed New to the it. tube. But uh I grew up in Birmingham, England, uh, in a bombed-out area of the city. He had no plumbing. He had to piss in a bucket and shit outside in uh. a outhouse. Um, so that was kind of crazy, considering, like, the amount of fame and money he ended up getting in his yeah. life. Probably one of the most wealthy rock stars ever, I would say. Yeah, and how much of that has he, has he snorted straight up his his nostrils uh, at, at least 70 percent of <laughs> yeah, right. it right um uh beatles were his first discovery of rock he bought a sure 55 mic mm, and we the everyone's favorite default tattoo uh, yep. microphone and uh a 50 watt vox pa so he put an that's ad up, right yeah he put an ad up uh in a pawn shop or a music shop or whatever and was like hey uh, i'm looking for a, i'm a singer looking for a band and I i've ha- got a pa i have a pa and literally like that's so Black Sabbath was in. Well, they wasn't Black Sabbath yet, but the uh, the other members, um, Bill Ward, Tony Iommi, and Geezer Butler, Geezer, were in. Uh, they were all friends, and they actually all came from the same like area. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was the exact same town, but like close enough to be in the proximity, which I think is always interesting in in bands because you're like, you know, what are the origins of these guys? How did they meet? Oh, well, they met by like just bumping into mm-hmm. each other, basically. So I thought that was kind of cool. They started playing with him because he had the PA. They were rocking out like blues riffs. That was kind of like the thing that they started jamming with. And so then they started like they, they rehearsed across the street from a, a movie theater, which I thought was interesting. And because they would look at it all the time and there'd be like whatever horror movie was playing. And they're like, how come nobody makes like music for like horror fans? Hmm. You know, like people pay to go see a horror movie. Will they pay to see a horror band? So then they kind of went on this idea of like being this like kind of dark thing, you know? Wow. First song they ever wrote was Black Sabbath by Black yeah. Sabbath. Um, he came up with the riff. I believe it was Tony came up with the riff. He had so they had the 16th century book. I think Ozzy had it or something. And Tony was like, "I'm gonna put it under my bed and sleep for you know, like sleep with it under my bed." And like two days later, he came up with the riff. So he definitely summoned from this old book. Stick some books under your bed, folks. <laughs> I mean, that's a great tip right there. Um, so that I thought that was fucking cool. Um, you know, and then there's more generalization. If you, if I mean, if you don't call Black Sabbath the pioneers of heavy metal, I think there's something wrong with you because yeah. really, when you go back and think of like the the darkest metal bands to the poppiest metal bands metallica or, or Soundgarden mm-hmm. or whatever you're you're literally thinking like okay it all came from black sabbath it all came from sabbath you know There's so no doubt i thought that was fucking sweet uh paranoid shot to number 1 after they've been a band for 3 years which was we just
0: didn't crazy. we just talk about paranoid not that long ago maybe i can't remember i think i did a We were talking about uh, Tony. Maybe I was talking because I was talking about the Icons episode. Yeah. Very boring. Yeah. And I I just feel like it's cropped up in my life a number of times recently. The fact that Paranoid was just a throwaway song that they just wrote in the studio last minute. And
1: I will say probably the first Sabbath song I ever heard. I think.
0: I I can't. I'm not sure if it was that or Iron Man, but I I definitely got Iron Man riff. was. We sold our soul for rock and roll. I think is what it was called. Yeah. Greatest hits compilation at a a very young age on compact disc in. Man, dude, I fucking love Sabbath so much. I fucking so love him, day. dude. Like,
1: it makes me want to like just put him on right now. Yeah, um, fuck this podcast. Also, <laughs> also, it was a uh, it was a good doc because they used actual music from the movie. Oh, I mean, from the band. Thankfully. It wasn't like they didn't you know skate thank, around all that thank, stuff.
0: Think Paymon.
1: I mean, they were literally like they're interviewing with Ozzy like throughout the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's current Ozzy, so right. you know he's he's old as shit. Um, so check this out. They uh, after. And the summer of 72, they'd already been blown up. They got all this money and shit. They recorded volume four. They moved to LA Mm -hmm. and recorded volume four. And uh, they did so much cocaine; they were doing it twenty four hours a day for two to three days in a row Holy at a time, non fucking stop cocaine party. That's kind of how cocaine goes, though, isn't it? It Especially is. If you got the
0: money to handle
1: it, and, and it, a you young just, body, you can just do as much as your body can handle. Uh, so then they play the California Rock Jam Festival in seventy four. Two hundred fifty thousand people. Wow, I didn't know that. I kind of want to look up more about this California Rock Jam mm-hmm. Festival. No kidding. Um, the band ended up breaking up because they everything was in their manager's name, so they were getting enough to like party and, and this and that but they weren't getting like cash they mm-hmm. were all renting houses they couldn't afford uh beverly hills mansions and shit like that just living that rock star fucking life and the manager was getting all the money so they fucking fired him um i don't know if they sued him or whatever but they went bankrupt and then they had to like manage their own affairs and that's ultimately what tore the band mm. apart um, so th-
0: this happened while ozzy was still in the band
1: yes yes so yeah basically they uh sharon's dad everybody knows Sharon Osbourne, mm-hmm. of course, from the Ozzy, you know. Sharon! I forget her real last name. I think it was like Event or something like that. But her dad was a big record guy too, a big band manager, record mm-hmm. label kind of guy. So he signed them in 79. She was managing ELO at the time, which I thought was interesting. No way, didn't I didn't know, know that. that. So she kind of knew the whole like rock star lifestyle, you know, but I mean, not, obviously not to their extent, but um, they ended up breaking up. Just They kicked Ozzy out because they were just like, the dad was paying for everything and they're just like putting it all up their noses. Mm-hmm. They were all fucked up. But they kind of like pinned it on Ozzy. They're like, "All right, dude, you're out of here. Like, you're yeah, partying right. too hard." And he's like, "He's like, you fucking guys like were partying with me last night. Like, what are you talking about?" So it was one of those things. Scapegoat, totally. Um, so they fire him. He goes into this crazy spiral, living out of a hotel. They're still paying him like a per diem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon and her dad are like, you know, managing him. They kind of want to turn him into something, but they're like, "You're you're all you're way too fucked up, dude. You're just drinking 24 hours a day. You're snorting everything." Um finally you know sharon wakes him up one day after like a month-long bender and she's like i i want to like manage you but i want you to like get your shit together take a shower fucking get cleaned up we'll go to some labels and we'll like start something over again so and that's really i mean he has her to thank as far as his Mm -hmm. career going because sabbath could have ended and that could have been it that could have been it
0: um so he met he meets randy rhodes oh god my honestly i don't talk about enough how much i feel like he's underrated i know like his name's famous he's got signature guitar among guitar players i think he's highly revered but i think in the outside music world he just ran just those excuse me those two studio records and then the one live record that they did together are just some of the best metal of all time yeah yeah
1: absolutely man and and it it shows in their albums because they they had such a good like rapport together. I mean it was literally like Mick Jagger mm-hmm. and Keith Richards. Like they were just they were a team all the time. Like they I won't I don't want to say those two got along all the time. But like
0: they he was a breath of fresh air compared to what he was and doing. He was with much the younger and he looked good. Yep. He fucking looked nobody's ever looked cooler with the Les Paul custom. Nobody. No a white custom yeah man, I mean come on. I mean even that's that's Mick Ronson included. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I was trying to think real quick who else, but yeah, that was pretty much it. And then he moved on to the
1: purple uh, or I the mean, flying purple, bees and flying the bee polka dots polka dot, yeah, and all that. Nice. Uh, they recorded blizzard of Oz in six weeks. Yep. That's fucking yeah, incredible dude. considering how long it would take to record a record. Is it Ted
0: Templeton, maybe I can't uh, they
1: didn't mention in the, yeah. the, and that's the other thing about the stock. There wasn't a lot of detail. There was, I mean, it's an hour and a half. So there's, they're skirting over a lot of stuff, but sure. you can look it up and find all that stuff. Um, obviously that went straight to the top with crazy train. Oh I mean, my God. That fucking song. If that, I still get chills when I hear the intro to that song. It's fucking awesome. That solo still rips super dude, hard it's, too. It's so amazing. Um, So, oh, then we get into the, uh, the madman phase. Well, almost. Yeah. So then it's, uh, so they're introduced, there's a story where they, they go into like, I think it's NBC or CBS or something. And they're like pitching, uh, trying to get signed to a bigger label or whatever it is, or have somebody fund the tour or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. But you know, Sharon takes Ozzy to this meeting and they're like, well, you know, we got to make it like a big thing. Like we've got to make it like, we can't just show up and be like, hi. So she's like, why don't we release doves? Peace doves and call it this like meeting of peace, like this peace of the mind, and like kind of this big, mm. you know, symbolic thing. Well, Ozzy's pissed drunk. He, uh, they go into the meeting, and before it even starts, they release the doves and he grabs one, he bites his head off and throws its carcass on the table. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking gnarly, dude. I mean, he's and he says himself, he's like, I wouldn't have done that if I was, if you know, like he's like, I was just completely blacked out yeah. at nine in the morning you know uh
0: oh, so that
1: queasy f- that fucking part was crazy well because i've always heard the tales but i never heard it out of his mm-hmm. mouth and he tells the story of it so it's pretty wild um and then oh they released diary of a madman while blizzard was still on the charts so it was like big swinging balls move right they recorded there. that in one month they basically had a break between a tour like a two tours like mm-hmm. a european and a u.s tour they had two months to relax and they recorded an album in one month wowzers that's fucking cool um Then there's the bad incident. They go over that. Yeah. Uh, That all started because it was actually Ozzy's idea to, they were in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was Ozzy's idea to like do this kind of like, you know, shock type show where at the end they would take like, you know, stuff from a butcher shop, like ground up animal parts, and they used a catapult to hurl everything (laughs) out into the crowd. So like the people are getting hit with like raw meat. And dude, just like entrails. That, dude. I would be so I, oh, pissed dude, if I was on the shooting at some of that I'm watching that with, with my wife and she like looks at me and she's like about to throw up. Cause like I mean, imagine going to a show, you're already sweaty from like and this is like the big the big Here's encore. some
0: hot entrails yeah.
1: coming at you. So then the fans are throwing stuff back. Yeah. You know, um, and somebody threw the bat on stage and he actually thought it was a rubber bat. He didn't know it was real. He grabbed it, he bit into it, and it exploded in his mouth. And obviously, he, he was like at this point, he's like, I fucked up. Like they had to go straight to the hospital and yeah. he had to have rab- like series of rabies. Shots. No kidding. Yeah. So they, they weren't like, oh, he bit a head off a bat. Like he was trying to be cool. He'd party and he thought it was thought like, it was like, a, like barfed everywhere. He thought it was like a fake fucking bat. It yeah. Just like, yeah, he like ran to the hospital. Like it oh was my God. bad news, but still one of the most iconic things ever, man. Um, then uh, everything's going perfectly for uh, Ozzy's band at the time. And I did not know I knew Randy
0: Rhodes passed away, but I didn't know the air the, the buzz in the plane on the bus.
1: Yeah. So incident. apparently they were on a they were on the tour bus and they had stopped. They were like going from like Tennessee to Florida or something like that. And they got off the bus. I mean, Sharon and Ozzy wanted to sleep on the bus and stay there. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the band got off and Randy and a few other people from the crew got into an airplane for some reason Mm -hmm. because they were already there. The bus driver was flying the airplane. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. See, they didn't get into that, but basically from Ozzy's perspective, they woke up, they just heard this boom Mm -hmm. and they woke up and like somebody ran on the bus. It's like, get off the bus, get off the bus. And um, this house had exploded right next to where they were or a building or something. Mm -hmm. And it was a house. Yeah, yeah, it was a house and they ran off the bus and then someone's freaking out and they're like, Randy, Randy. And so apparently they got on the plane and the plane like, he took off terribly and like crashed into a house they, and the, the,
0: they were all on cocaine well yeah and the bus driver they thought it was funny to try to buzz over the bus because they knew they were sleeping on there and because wow. he was fucked up he crashed because into they house. did
1: they did nick the bus right. they didn't crash right into it exactly and they did say like had it been like another foot they would have crashed in the bus and everybody everyone died dead. yeah so that's fucking wild um then of course he just goes completely off the rails mm-hmm. again you know Um, and that was just like, I mean, they talk a lot about his drinking in the movie. Like, I mean, when you talk about like rock stars partying and like drinking and stuff, I mean, I, I can like drink for a day and then I feel like shit for three days. I couldn't imagine doing it over and over for months at a time. I mean, what the toll that it would take on your body. How, when did he finally clean up? So he started to get clean in, um, well after the Motley Crue tour was when, they uh you know like the when whole he thing, snorted the line of ants he claims uh, i don't remember snorting ants but it sounds like something i would have done uh-huh. uh, that's kind of his quote but yeah so they they were touring with motley Crue, uh, and then i think they were probably just hitting it even harder than yeah. ever and then he was basically saying like you know uh, when i have my when i have my first kid or our second kid or something when we have jack i think it was or i don't remember the order of the kids but when he had one he's like i'll stop as soon as the kids born and like you know he he went into um, one of the rehab facilities mm-hmm. like the famous ones the ford clinic or something betty ford yeah and he went for i think he went for a couple like he went for like two weeks mm-hmm. and then he got out and they were they asked sharon like they were like well how long till he started drinking again And she's like 45 minutes yeah so that didn't do anything then he gets really crazy dude there's a crazy story where he attacked her and almost tried to kill her oh my god yeah i didn't know about this man um They kind of set it up because he's like, "Yeah, dude, we've been
0: real punchy on the mics today." Just like I know, know, I'm sorry. You know, it's both of us. We've been getting extra animated with our hands stuff to uh, yeah to edit out. But yeah,
1: um, dude, I didn't like. There was a crazy story where he was like, he doesn't even remember what he was on. He'd been drinking obviously and like taking pills and shit. And Sharon, by the way, Sharon decided she's like, "I'm done drinking." Like one of us has to stop. You're not going to, so I am. So she knew. This relationship wasn't going to last if they just kept partying together. Mm. So she stopped drinking in like 84 or something like that. And in like around 86, um, he's just full blown partying, going crazy. He's got all these demons. And there was a, there's a story where like she's sitting on the couch reading a book and he just came to the room and sat across from her and he's staring at her like really crazy, like totally dead behind the eyes. And, and like, he's like, I remember being very calm. And then he said, it's time for you to die now. And he like lunged at her like a fucking animal and like grabbed her neck and was choking her. And luckily she hit a panic button that they had like mounted somewhere under a desk or something. And she reached it and hit it and cops came and arrested him and all that stuff. And she never pressed charges, which is crazy. But like after that, he basically stopped drinking until way later. Um, when they were doing the Osborne show. Mm-hmm. And did you ever watch that show? I did. I watched probably
0: all of it. I actually. probably
1: watched all of it too. And I, there was a lot I forgot about it because it was so long ago. But I forgot like she got uh, diagnosed with cancer. Oh, right. And then he went off the rails again. And then... Because I do remember watching the show and I was like, oh, he's just like this kooky guy. And... I'm like, yeah, oh, he's not drinking though. He's like sober and he's just kind of crazy, like a crazy yeah, he dad. He fucked
0: up on some of that show. But
1: then towards the end of the show, he was totally fucked up. He was, and they show him like drinking beers and getting all fucked and like just the crazy glaze look in his eye. Cause he was depressed that she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And she actually went to remission and recovered. She's still alive and all that. Um, and then I'll wrap by saying, you know, basically I didn't know this, but um, he's diagnosed with Parkinson's now, yeah. which um, you know, isn't necessarily a fatal
0: disease, but it definitely will, you know, stop your mobility for sure I can't I'm not sure if this is his or not but I'm pretty positive that the the speaking disorder that he has the way that the re, the reason that Ozzy speaks the way he does is because of something I believe it's called Brockers aphasia mm-hmm. like a brain thing yeah that they, happened because of the drug use yeah exactly
1: so they, they basically they didn't talk about specifically what it was called yeah. but they said well he was diagnosed with MS at one point right and they're like you definitely have MS and he's like oh shit you know this is like this is it hmm and then he gets, he keeps going to all these different doctors. And then finally they realize they're like, no, you don't have it. You're misdiagnosed. You just like partied way too fucking hard. Yeah. You know? So, uh, how old, I wonder how old Ozzy is now. He's like 72, 70, 72 In, like, or three.
0: Ozzy years. That's like 400. Oh
1: dude. I mean, it's when you, I mean, and he sounds great. Like when he talks, I mean, obviously he's hard to understand because mm-hmm. of his accent and he's always been kind of like mumble mouth, but he definitely has like. He he seems sharp, you know, like, because he's talking during these interviews and stuff. And I'm guessing it's only a
0: year or two old. Yeah. So uh, it was fucking crazy, man. Damn, dude. Any, uh, before we get out of it, any, any gear spotting? I mean, I know we talked Randy Rhodes. Yeah, we talked Randy
1: Rhodes. No, they didn't. You know, they show awesome, you know, footage of old Black Sabbath, obviously. You've got Tony Mm -hmm. Iommi's SG and you've got you know uh geezer butler's p Yeah, you know so yeah good stuff but they didn't they didn't talk about it as much they didn't show it's a and e you know i mean I, yeah they don't want to bore people with the stuff that that we like that you know like. but um a fucking great doc man what's I mean, your what's your ranking, bro start to finish dude you know even though it sounded kind of dark when i was talking about it with the parkinson's mm-hmm. and everything they really wrap it up and do a good job he recorded a record called ordinary man um that's right so that was just like 2018. And, and there was a
0: new new stuff in the works with Tony Iommi we talked about recently. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All those guys are still alive. It's yeah. wild. Um, so he's, you know, they're all just, they're hanging in there, man. It's pretty cool to see. It was actually a really uplifting doc, um, despite the darkness that I kind of added to it. But I thought, you know, it was I thought it was fucking fantastic. Um, I definitely recommend watching it, even if you're not a huge fan of like gear spotting and gear nerd stuff and even maybe even of Sabbath um i gave it eight out of ten prince of darknesses mm, very dark so check it out
0: the nine lives of ozzy i love right. that i'll probably i've seen i feel like i've seen so much ozzy content that's one that i'm just happy to have gotten your your summary I mean, and anecdotes you probably I, know every I've, story yeah. that's in it well there are a couple of things that you mentioned yeah that, like i didn't know i didn't realize that sabbath pra- practice across the street from a uh, movie theater. yeah which is like
1: a dumb little thing but that's how they came up with the idea right it's like, a big let's, deal let's be a
0: horror rock band you have know? you ever have you ever been lucky enough to see them dave God, no, I wish, man. I, I did I did get to see wow SF. Yeah. What year? Was, it was oh geez I would guess it would have been about two thousand and four or ish when yeah. they like had just done like a reunion record. It right. might have even been called reunion. Uh with like the original lineup and everything. Yeah. I'm pretty positive that they don't get along with is it maybe Bill Ward now? Maybe. Something happened where they have a different drummer. But oh really? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that that's the deal. Yeah, they didn't touch maybe on maybe even Geezer. Now that I think about, it. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, but we did talk about recently how Tony and Ozzy are going to about about to be working on a new thing.
1: That's really interesting because they didn't mention them getting back together at all. In yeah, the movie. and and that might have just been to keep the flow of the of the film going. Right. One thing I did think was interesting: uh, the whole Ozfest thing started because they uh, he wanted to play at Lollapalooza, and so they call Lollapalooza. They're like, "Hey, you know, can you book Ozzy?" And they're like, "He's not cool enough." For our thing.
0: So then he just started his He's own. He's like, All right, fuck you, I'll fest. start my own. Which yeah, I've it. I've definitely that was where I saw Sabbath. i I went to a few Ozfests back in, in yeah. that day down at the old New World Amphitheater in the parking lot. I used to
1: buy I never went to the show. I don't think I ever went. Maybe I did go one time. I can't remember. No. No, it was a different it was one of, it was like a van's one or something mm-hmm. like that. But War- anyways. warped tour. Yeah, it was warped tour, that's what it was. But anyways, um I just smelled pot. you smell it? I don't smell it. Weird. Maybe I'm Having a stroke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they. uh I thought that was fucking cool how they started Ozfest like that. And I remember I used to buy the CDs because they had like they'll All have the like compilation. Yeah, because yeah. they'll have like Incubus and Corn and like Deftones, Tokes. and they would have like one or two songs from each band. And I was like, okay, this is
0: pretty. That's cool. how I've seen most of those like early butt metal bands yeah. like that. Just because I went to a yeah. few Ozfest and I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'll watch Slipknot. It was know? cool
1: because they did it. I mean, they really had their own kind of thing, their own fan base, and like. And then it was like
0: because I, I went a few years, and I remember one year I got to just see Sabbath, and the next year it was just like Ozzy. So it was yeah, you know, I got to get all of the yeah. I think it was. might have even it might have even been Zach Wilde. I was gonna say probably Zach yeah. Wilde, right? I think I think so. Hasn't he kind of been the guy since? He, he's no longer Ozzy's guitar player. Okay. It's someone else now, and I. They Can't showed some who guy with,
1: who looked like Zach Wilde but with like a top hat on. It was he was like a slash meet Zach Wilde look. Weird. Yeah, they just showed him for a second on one of the like the recent like the twenty eighteen performance. Huh. Um, but yeah, man, what a fucking I mean, what a legend, dude. Like I just you what know, a true I, and, legend. And you really leave you really leave that bed being like, how can you just not love Ozzy, man? Like
0: he's fucking a cool motherfucker. He's dude. the coolest. Yeah, yeah, love Ozzy. I'm gonna I I say this. Every every week, I feel like I say this, Dave, but yeah. I'm gonna listen to some fucking yeah, awesome check it some Sabbath later because just get after it. I I've been I've been getting back. I getting I I've been flow back in and out of heavy music, and I've and I've been in a, a pro heavy music mo- mode this week. There's been some re- actually really good new stuff that's come out. But uh, dude, to toss a little Sabbath in there.
1: Yeah, I need some Sabbath on vinyl. i realize I don't have mm. it, so it's it's a sad. I've run out of room too. My my vinyl crate is
0: complete. I I, I we've talked about this a bit on the show. I don't typically love heavy metal on vinyl because the mix there's something about i i just prefer the digital version of most like modern metal but what i'm going to say what i was going to say is that sabbath is an exception to that because it's not like the, the things that i want out of a digital version of a metal song I don't want out of Black Sabbath. Later. Yeah. It's it, because it's this proto-metal thing. I agree. I don't need that like da da, da, da like really fast attacks ah, and transients and yes. all that kind of stuff. Right. Real sharp, real extreme low and high-end content, you know. Yeah. Sabbath just like Do you have some right Sabbath on mids. I, Dude, I don't. Wait, yeah. wait. No, I don't. Yeah. I want to at least get the first record. Yeah, I mean Parano- Masters of Reality might be my favorite but volume three is or volume four I should say is a uh, epic pretty fucking epic yeah they do a thing on the back of volume
1: 4 they were doing so much cocaine i forgot about this that they said uh you know they do like the little thank yous and stuff sure and it says we want to thank we want to thank what was it la we want to thank la's coca-cola facility or something like that like they thank coca-cola and he's like that was a little joke right there
0: for the cocaine cuz we
1: were just yeah we were they were in la buying cocaine and i think they were just you know it's coming out. Fucking so. hey, bro. Fucking love it.
0: Let's get That's into a little future gear. That just triggered something in me. Oh, we didn't really talk about um I think we I think we touched on the fact that I'd been trying to hunt down this white falcon. Yeah, let's recently, talk about it. And it is it is gone. I don't want to get too deep into it cuz it's still a little sad tender spot, but I basically I was going after a white falcon was You were chasing a white falcon. I was chasing that dragon, that white dragon, that white falcon and it was out in South Dakota and i even offered to drive my ass on out there to yeah. do a little road trip style to pick it up with matching amp and then it it sold out from order yeah me.
1: i saw so i know you had you had a meeting that day and i mm. and i was going to text you cuz i got the email and i i was i had the screenshot ready and i was like i'm not going to bother mm. with this shitty news when i think it's i you know to me
0: i wasn't going to buy it so i'm just like oh look but, but you uh, know how it is when you get your heart set on something and yeah then it's like just like that jazz that you tried to buy you yeah know? well that's yeah, that the fake one. So but
1: you know it is one of those things where I don't know I mean something else will come along. I mean, what did you learn from this? Do you learn that you should have do you feel like you
0: should have jumped on it sooner? No, I think that it wasn't was meant to be I mm, what I learned is that I still, I thought that I was kind of in a place with gear right now where I like <laughs> I just I don't want anything else. I am trying to get rid of stuff, which again I, I should add, if you haven't already, check out the Gearbuds uh, Reverb Shop. I, s- stuff is selling like crazy. I'm down to five things in there. Wow, right now. good job. Got well, which just means I've got to re up. You know, yeah. Uh, well, a few out things out in sh- this room. Ship out are a bunch of shit. here. So that that's right. Yeah. Probably don't want to ship. But. No, definitely don't. So, uh, but what I guess I've learned is that i i the fire still exists That's inside side where That's there's there are still vintage things that i'm just like yeah i would drive across the country to get that for the right deal mm-hmm. and uh you know it did it also it also taught me that there are even more things that i have that i sort of wasn't even ever thinking of selling them like yeah i would definitely get rid of that jazz master to get a white falcon you know like it yeah. kind of reminded me that there are there are the things that I hold dear. There's priorities. I have priorities, some things more than others, but I, there are, for the right deal, I'll get rid of most, most almost anything, Dave. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's only a couple that you, you know. Anything, nothing. There's base, basically one of the two guitar boats. One of those guitar boats is full of stuff that's like uh, off the table. But I'll tell you what, it's like even that, like, okay, for, I hate to say, to say it, but like, I love your P bass that I bought from you. Mm-hmm. Want to take it with me to the. Uh, viking funeral nether realms however if like the right p a different p bass came up like i would trade that for it you Mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah like my les paul custom i fucking am obsessed with that guitar and it would take a lot because it sounds so good but if the right old les paul custom came up and someone wanted to trade it like i would consider it yeah the 335 though i don't maybe I'm not sure because it's there. It's such a specific year that I like of that guitar that it would have to be from the same the same year. And those are like so fucking expensive now. It's they're out of insanely control. expensive out, out of right control, now. dude. So I don't know. Like my SG. I don't know that I'd ever get rid of that guitar. Yeah, because I put all it was. I got it new. I put all the wear in it. Even if yeah. I got the same year and everything, it, I it you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to replace it. No. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it, it's interesting. That's what I've learned is that it's not my most valuable guitar. The same the, that Martin, the D seventy six. I would trade that towards a different Martin if there was one that I thought sounded better. Okay. But the, that SG is the one thing that where it's like I just I couldn't I could never yeah I would never get rid of it.
1: You could trade it for a just like a husk of an L, of a Les Paul, you know,
0: like uh, yeah, three hundred dollar burned out uh, Les Paul custom that's I'm, on sale. I'm on watching eBay it right that now. Thing's,
1: that thing's gonna go. I bet it's gonna go for like a thousand bucks, dude. Fuck a
0: 1980 Les Paul custom missing about half of the neck and the headstock and what? no electronics or anything. Looks like it was literally set on fire. I mean, I could understand, like I was saying to you this morning, if they had the other
1: half of the headstock, there's nothing. How there. How are you gonna build a headstock? Who's going to do that? Someone will do
0: it, but that's What dude, are you going to even the, the hardest headstock part off it's like old... a bunch of the neck is missing so like getting a strong connection there. That's what I mean. A new tr- like you have to take the whole f- fingerboard off. You probably have to build an entire new finger- fingerboard for it because you got to put a new truss rod in it. It doesn't thing.
1: even make sense. Like maybe if somebody like famous owned it and smashed it on stage and like you're like, "Oh, this would be cool on my wall in my studio or something." Sure. But like, what the hell was that? I don't man? know, man. Don't wake me up with those kinds of text messages. Wake me
0: up before you go. I'll tell you, man. I know, I'm sorry.
1: Sends me to a, Here me into a spiral.
0: Here we go. I want to de you. Got a couple things. So what we're going to do, I've got one piece of new gear for future gear. Then I've got, because it's Halloween, mm. uh, I've got another sort of, well, just a kind of spooky story. Is this our spooktacular episode? Well, because we've been doing a lot of spooks this whole month. I, don't wanna, I didn't want to do all spooky yeah. stuff because then after that, I did some research on a topic, and it was something that I originally had intended for it to go one way, and then it just became Mm. something else, so uh, let's just dive in. First thing, future gear, I don't know if you saw, Electro Harmonix just announced a new pedal. Nope. It's called the Intelligent Harmony Machine, Dave, Oh. and it is a smart harmonizer that lets players add up to two pitch-shifted voices to their signal. Uh, It can either run in Intelligent Harmony or polyphonic modes. And take some of the technologies from their POG and pitchfork pedals. I thought they had this already. Doesn't Mark have this pedal?
1: Mm, I don't think it's so. It's got like, it had four channels, I you're think. You're talking
0: about the looper. That's was a, that just a looper? That was a looper. Oh. So this is, uh, so there was something called the HOG, which I think is what you're thinking of, which is a harmonic octave generator. There's the polyphonic octave generator, the POG that's got the sliders. Yep. This is a much smaller footprint, so it's only just like a small pedal size. Cool and it has and it does two voices so not just one which is awesome uh base you can set, it has a bunch of different modes so you can set it to like specific intervals uh you can it has a blend it has two outputs which i think is really smart there's a you can do just like a straight up dry unaffected signal as well as the harmonized signal separately uh and it also the thing that i think is really cool about it is that you can all, it has a lot of different functions so you could do like i said because you've got these stereo outputs you can do like a doubler so you can run it to two separate amps and it kind of just sounds like a, a standard doubling effect, which I mean, that is the TC electronic mimic, just like that whole pedal is dedicated to just that. Right. And then it does all the stuff like a whammy pedal kind of does without a treadle you know, without like a a foot. Yeah. The controlled foot control right. deal on there. Although I, I did read, you can set the foot switch to momentary. So like you can have it. So it's, you know, the signals on or whatever, but it's not doing anything. You step on it it does something and then until you release it, it's going to be on Cool, and it can do, it can be instant, you know, so it just So you jumps. can play with it. Yeah. You can play with it, but you can, you can also adjust the uh, ramp. So basically like if it bends into a note, like a, how how quickly and slowly it does that in and out of it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of tweakability and it's all coming at you for $230. It hmm. hmm. does a lot and a small footprint. I, I think like I'm it. pretty excited about it. I just, we, I just love lecture harmonics. I love man. them. Yeah. They're one of my favorites, man. They're one of the best. Maybe my favorite of all time. So that was the new gear part of Future Gear. Here's where we stopped talking about gear for a minute because I'm gonna talk about two things that happened and this is this is kind of a follow up to actually it's a direct follow up to last week when we were talking, actually the past two weeks we've been talking about getting electrocuted a lot. Yeah. have got some more to talk about here. Uh I don't did you ever hear about the time uh Ace Freely got electrocuted? Nope. Wait. Uh I think I did. I think I did in that in the Kiss documentary, but it's it's possible. This was. We'll take you back to December twelfth, nineteen seventy six. Kiss uh, kicked into another sold out gig at the Lakeland Civic Center in Lakeland, Florida, uh, with the first song in their set, Detroit Rock City. I of mean, course, can you imagine having that song to be able to kick off a set with? Yeah, dude, oh it's a God. it's a ripper, dude. For this tour, Ace and Paul would appear above the drum riser and descend down to the stage via two large staircases on either side of the riser. The railing on Ace's side was not properly grounded, and oh when he God. grabbed the railing, it gave him a severe electric shock. He collapsed, fell down the staircase, and then regained consciousness shortly thereafter. After a 25-minute delay, Dave the show went on without another hitch. So his dude hand got was fucking okay? shocked, lost consciousness, finished the show. Fuck yeah, dude! That's rock and roll. So he didn't die, but that is there that, a video of this? I don't. I wonder if there's a footage. Good, I haven't seen it. If yeah. they did. Uh, the, apparently, the, they got rid of the staircase after that. So I hadn't heard of this. I thought it was linked
1: to how he uh, used to put, like, smoke bombs in his guitar. No, it wasn't. Okay. Uh,
0: although, should have also probably Hilarious. caused some damage at yeah, some point. Right. After this, they got rid of staircases in favor of some hydraulic lifts. And then also, to keep it gear-related, switched over to the first wireless system for guitars, the Schaefer Vega Diversity System, system invented by the great Ken Schaefer. Oh. Also used by ACDC, known as a very... Integral component of the Angus Young sound. Their stories so. about where he would like, there, there's a, he was in the studio recording. It didn't sound quite as right. They went and got his wireless unit, plugged that in, and all of a sudden, sudden a it sounded like him. Part of his tone. Now you can even get a pedal that like huh. basically uh, mimics the preamp. Of really, that. yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Because you you would think just like naturally, it's like oh, it's gonna you know hinder my tone having a wireless system. You would just
0: assume. Maybe it's going to filter it in a certain way. Maybe you like it. Maybe I, yeah. dude, I've i got, I kind of like the way that the wireless that I have sounds. You still got that thing? Oh, I still got that All thing. Right, cool. I can never get rid of that. I've got another spooky story for you, Dave. And this one also comes from someone that you have uh, for whom you've watched a documentary. Don't think we ever got into this, but it's fucking the day after Halloween. When this comes out, we're going to tell another little spooky story. And this comes, the story comes from a man named Harry Nilsson. Oh yeah. So for those who don't remember, Dave's wonderful review of, I don't remember the name of the documentary. Um, I forget, but it? I it's on wanting Amazon. I keep to say Nilsson Schmilson, but that's the name of the record. No, like. it's on Amazon. But it's, yeah, I mean, he's one of my favorite songwriters. So those who don't know, one of the most revered song- songwriters throughout the 60s and 70s dubbed the American Beatle. Uh, he was also a notorious party hound and had apartments in California, New York, and London. Now, his flat in London was the unfortunate site of two high-profile deaths that occurred four years apart. Nilsson purchased the flat in 1972, and it quickly became the site of many raucous parties that hosted rock stars, movie stars, and royalty. When he wasn't in London, he would often rent it out to other friends and musicians who were touring in England. In 1974, Cass Elliott, a.k.a. Mama Cass, was staying at Nilsson's flat while she played a two-week run of shows at the Palladium, It was in his flat that she tragically passed away in her sleep at the tender age of 32 as a result of a sudden heart attack. Wow. So she died in this flat in London. Oh my God. Now Nilsson got real fucking freaked out by this. Obviously that was his friend, but also now he believed that this flat was was the source of bad vibes and he would refuse to stay there. Uh, After, after her death, he wouldn't actually go back to the place. He retained the lease. Uh, on it for unknown, but he he's, he maintained the the lease for unknown reasons. He was hesitant to rent the flat to Keith Moon in 1978. Just a couple of months after moving in, Moon 2 passed away in the very same flat no at age way. of 32. I didn't know that's where his cause of death was an overdose on sedatives. He was taking with alcohol withdrawal syndrome. Syndrom. So they both died at 32. Wow. In Harry Nelson's oh my apartment. god. Uh, so he now believed that it was cursed, uh, and then little little coda to the story he sold it to pete townsend oh pete townsend bought the flat that keith and mama cat well died in uh do you have to wonder what kind of like did he do you, do you overhaul it do you just like gut rehab that whole thing do you, at that point? you get to do a seance and get the ghosts out of there? Or something? I don't know, man. But that's I don't know, bro. Crazy. I, 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 I could not believe I had never come across that story before. I, I didn't know that either. In Harry I Harry Nelson's apartment. I,
1: I'm gonna have to rewatch the doc now because I don't remember if they talked about. You that. think that think they, think they, they would have to? Like, why would they miss something like that? Well, I do know, uh, and I'm probably screwing the story up, but I believe his girlfriend at the time was with uh Jim Belushi when he passed away or was like the oh, last weird. person to see
0: him. It's like one of those things how like Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln and Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Sure. Yeah, a lot yeah. like that. Yeah. Well man, that was those were the that That's was a scary. spooky story. A sco- spooky story. Spooktaker. Now this is this is not going to be spooky. This is gonna be super nerdy. But I want you know sorry I'm just gonna give a little background. Uh and we're gonna call this segment potheads because we're gonna talk about pots. Okay potentiometers Mm -hmm. i was originally doing research i had this idea i was like man i wonder how many guitarists have signature guitars without a tone knob Mm. and i didn't come across that many i mean there are some out there we could get into eventually maybe another episode i'm one of them but what really and you are one of them what really what, what what this spiraled into was i realized we've never really talked about pots and what they kind of actually do yeah so I just want to I want to ha- give a little primer on pots, volume and tone pots in your guitar. Sure. We take them for granted, but like, what are they? Do you know? Could you tell me what a pot in your guitar actually is, or uh, a, t- a guitar volume or tone? Yeah, pot? I mean
1: I'm going to screw it up, but it, it controls the 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 resistance
0: of the signal going through
1: it or something like that.
0: It is a variable resistor. That's very good, yeah, Dave. Thank you. So let's just get into it. Potentiometer, pot for short. It's a type of variable resistor, and by turning the pot you're changing the way electricity flows through it. Yep. Inside the pot, there is a circular resistor strip. This is the element that gets wiped by a quote sweeper. So you've got the element, you've got the sweeper. Turning your knob changes the position of the sweeper on the resistor strip. The sweeper allows you to choose how far the electricity has to travel on the strip until it reaches the output. So physically, there's this there's this like half like this Three quarters of an arc, mm-hmm. and it literally you're just changing how far electricity goes on that arc. That's what your knob is physically doing. Uh, it's an electrolyte doing two things at once as well. So it's in, introducing series resistance and a short across the signal. The short is what dampens the high frequencies of the signal, even when the pot is on ten. So that's if I don't know if you've ever done the experiment. And this is kind of what I was getting at originally with, my, with this this thought was taking either either wiring uh your pickups directly to an output or just to one volume pot and out or just to you know what basically what impact taking a pot out of the circuit does right that's what the short is what essentially causes the tonal change um and uh this again this is what when the pots on ten. for instance if you have a 250k pot you can choose any value from zero to 250k Mm uh now I was going to get a little bit further into resistance. We don't m- really need to do that. But w- the one thing that I do want to add is that these things all have tolerances determined by the manufacturer. So in reality, you've got this 250k pot. It might actually only be like a 243k pot. Right. You have to actually. You can use a multimeter. You can check that. And so and they see actually where it
1: is. they can adjust that at the factory before they send the guitar out.
0: After they manufacture it, they're, they're going to sort through. Say they make a hundred. I don't know what their manufacturing tolerances are, but they could, you know, they could probably get rid of five that don't fit within what they de- they determine to be gotcha. a wide enough range that it won't matter for guitarists. That's interesting. Maybe, maybe sometimes, and that's the same for capacitors, for resistors, yeah. like all that stuff has certain tolerances. It'll often be like plus minus five percent or ten percent, something like that's that. That's interesting. That so is. you really could change the tone just by swapping out the pot. Oh, you sure can. So that's what we're going to get into right now. Typically, single coil pickups, you use a 250K pot, single coil like a Strider Telly, because the 250K pot allows less of the high frequency to get through. A Darker sounding pickups, P90s, humbuckers, typically you're using a 500K pot. That's just like the rule of thumb. Now, there are some things in between, like some people I know, like a, 300, a 300K pot on a Jazzmaster is a common Whoa, one that you'll find. I didn't about. know there were 300K. Mm-hmm, totally. I want to talk a little bit about why these things happen. So again, higher resistance pot, 500k pot, that means it's higher resistance than a 250k pot. Uh, it won't send your high frequencies to ground as quickly as 250k pots do. They sound brighter and allow more high frequencies to pass through. The 250 will, sound, will send more high frequency to ground, making the pot sound a tad darker. Uh, again, we talked about the 300k pots. Uh, the thing is is that there is no correct pot it's just the one that sounds best to your ear so people do do that kind of experimenting all the time 250 like everything they're like oh if you don't put 250s in it you're not you know it's like hey try it maybe maybe your p90s will sound a little better to you with your rig if you use a different value pot in there
1: and now to be fair like um you know if you i guess you can alter it just by being like oh i use a 250k pot but i only run my tone at like half halfway or
0: something. exactly yeah. yeah and that's why they're variable that's why we don't use switches for this kind of thing but right. although you absolutely to get the same sort of impact you could just wire a 200 250k resistor in the circuit and then that's going to do the same thing that having the tone pot all the way up is doing to your tone i've
1: been wanting to put like a tone kill like push pull mm-hmm. on one of my P base knobs. Yeah. I've been thinking about it for years. Cause I'm like, I don't have a, a version where I can go into that no tone pillowy kind of thing.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, uh, and that's something specific that I was going to talk about. I'll just jump ahead to that. That's something known as a no load pot. Yeah. So basically we, you know, we talked about the sweeper goes over, over the element and where it is on the element determines how much resistance it has and how much electricity is flowing through a no load pot has a has a spot either at the very end or the middle. It depends on the way it's constructed Mm -hmm. where there's no element. It just goes metal to metal. Right. So it it takes the full resistance strip out of the equation entirely. Uh, I I did a lot of, I've never had a, a, an instrument with no load pot. So I actually did some, but reading you can about still these. adjust it then. Yeah. So you, it, when it's not on the metal, to metal it'll go, it'll sweep it back over onto the element yeah. and then do the resistance. Nice. So it it's, it effectively pulls, it just add, essentially adds a little bit of wire, but which inherently has some resistance, but not the same level of like, a, a how resistor. would you know?
1: I mean, aside from your ears, would you be able to tell if you had a no load pot by like testing it or looking at it or something?
0: You could probably measure it, but I I think you'd have to look honestly. Yeah. And you probably don't. Right. It's, it's a much more, way more uncommon thing. That's like a you know fun aftermarket blues dead additive. But totally. it, I, honestly, I'm curious. I would like to try it because. As we, you know, we've talked about a bit um, that P bass that I got from you that there is no like there is no working tone pot on there. So yeah. I've been curious like what adding a working one on there would do to the sound. And there used to be, of I mean, course, yeah. There there, there is one on there. I think it's just busted yeah. or like the wires, goofy or something. Probably, yeah. So, but I've i wondered maybe a no load pot is a great way to be able to test that.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Um, so talked a little bit about the why uh now oh there's one other thing that we haven't really talked about uh, there are linear pots and there are, are audio pots this is this refers to the taper when you're when you're turning so as you probably imagine a linear pot is a linear value where it goes from zero to, to 100 evenly throughout the course of the travel of the of the turning the knob right Unfortunately, our ears don't work in the same way; aren't are not linear. There's just something called the Weber-Fechner law, uh, but basically, what happens when you use if you're using a linear taper pot for an audio, like a the exact application we're talking about right now, like a guitar knob or whatever, you essentially ninety percent of your per of the perceived signal change happens in the first twenty five percent of the turn, so you get effectively a much less useful pot because the spot where you'd normally be using it is only happening in a quarter of that turn of the pot. So what we use is something called an audio taper pot, which is built on a logarithm, which then instead of, instead of that very effective range being only in 25%, they actually spread that out throughout another 50% of the Mm -hmm. knob. So you get a much more granular control in some ways of, of the, part of the signal that you want to have whereas instead of an audio or a linear taper pot which you, you'll find those on uh, pedals and stuff sometimes but yeah. like especially with like uh, equalizers and that sort of thing but when it comes to like gain or volume you almost you, you're very, or like a tone knob on your guitar you're very almost always going to use an audio taper pot for something okay. like that hmm. um, so yeah you just get a smoother change uh, you can always experiment though I mean there's nothing to say that you might not prefer a linear taper pot, but I think there's a reason every guitar that you buy has an audio taper pot. I was going to say,
1: it, yeah, it seems pretty standard.
0: Uh there I guess the other physical difference is that there are sometimes split shaft pots. And sometimes solid shaft, split shaft is usually what you'll find on a guitar, like a Strat or something like that, where it's a you like you push the knobs down onto mm-hmm. it. A solid shaft pot typically has like a little set screw, a screw, yeah, uh, which you'll find those more on amps and pedals. In my experience, you usually get more split shaft yeah. on guitars, but you know that can go again. Doesn't have to always be that way. Um, now we don't need to talk about that. I want What I do want to talk a bit about is the tone knob itself, because we're, we're just talking about pots in general, right? It never, I mean, until I, I knew I, I've, I've wired up a number of guitars in my life, many guitars, in fact, and I've put different value capacitors, but I never really considered exactly physically what it was doing until I was researching this. And all that's happening there is it's basically the same exact type of setup, uh, as your volume knob, you, you know, you wire the lugs a certain way or whatever with a tone, with a tone knob, you're just also, to two of those lugs, you're wiring a capacitor. And what that is doing is beyond a certain point, when, so when a tone pot is nothing but a regular pot with a capacitor soldered to it, instead of sending the entire signal to ground, like which, that's what's happening when you're lowering the resistance, you're dumping signal to ground. Instead of sending the entire signal to ground, like you would with a volume knob, the tone cap helps by sending only part of the signal to ground. Tone caps only let high frequencies pass through; they resist or reject low frequencies. Mm. So that's instead of instead of cutting, turning all of your volume down, it's just turning the volume down on a certain part of your signal, which is right. the low frequencies. Interesting. I'm sorry. Which is the high frequencies? No, no, the no. Low yeah, it turns it down the low. But
1: yeah. but I have heard like specifically like um like on a friend's jazz bass where it the whole instrument is louder if everything is is turned up even the tone knob
0: which makes sense because again it's a passive unless you're talking about an active instrument no no and a passive circuit you are yeah you 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 everything is going slightly quieter when you turn the tone knob all the way down or as as you turn it down and even though it's like boomier because it's bassier or whatever but it's it's which is funny you think that it's bassier but what it actually is is less trebly Ah, right. Yes. Okay. Because it's passive. So you're just of course, the trouble. if this is an active circuit, you can boost yeah. and cut, and that's a whole right. different story. That's a different sure. thing. Um, the tone cap values are, are is something that people talk about a lot and try to say, "Oh, it has to be an orange uh, bumblebee, or it has to be a paper and oil." And there's all these different opinions yeah. and stuff out there. But what's what? It, simply, what it's doing is the value of the tone cap determines the cutoff point across the signal where the highs are so a smaller value for instance uh 0.0025 microfarad will pass the least amount of highs when rolled off you will notice a subtle change in your high frequencies you can only get your guitar to sound so dark now a higher value tone cap say like 0.1 microfarad will roll off the most amount of highs getting all the way down actually into high mids so that's when you'll get the darkest and deepest roll off with a higher value cap personally to me i would rather i want a ton of control and i and i'm i don't know about you well i guess a lot of your interns don't even have the tone knob but it's something that i just like forget about more often than i actually use yeah i feel like i would use a tone knob more if it did a more drastic thing where yeah. i could roll it off and do like a honky you know whatever Mark do you Knopfler. need to just like maybe replace it then? a higher value yeah you can experiment with a higher value right. tone uh higher value capacitor and when you think about something like uh like a Gibson, like a three forty five with a Veritone. Any guitar that has those like yeah. Veritone switches. So like switch, yeah. All that all that is is just it has a bunch of different capacitor values on a switch. And yeah. so it allows you to just experiment with exactly what we're talking about having different value capacitors and then rolling off your tone knob will just pass it through that capacitor instead of the whichever one that was like previously hardwired to the pot itself yeah
1: and i, I like that idea for convenience too like if you're like you know i've seen the six way ones and exactly it's like, oh i like setting three is like my tone that's your you sound know? and that's just a, all it's, that
0: is is just choosing a particular value capacitor yeah and it's just not going to move you know yeah. wow that's pretty cool it's pretty cool
1: yeah I, I was trying to think about it because i don't I don't really fuck with my tone knob very much. I either leave it all the way on or all the way off. And it's usually mostly all the
0: way on. And that's the thing. When you think about uh, we were talking about this no load tone knob. Yeah. And this is what really drove me to even look into this. It still is like you say, it's all the way off all the way on. Even when it's all the way on, quote unquote, it is affecting the tone. Mm-hmm. It is, it is different than ha- not having that in that, uh, having it removed, completely. having it removed completely from yeah, the circuit, which is why sense. there are these no load pots. Um, I kind of want to experiment with that. I have to wonder, you'd think that when pickup designers are developing their pickups, they then, they're doing so with two variable resistors. Like, you know, we're talking about like a a pot, two different pots in series, right? Like you'd think that they're testing it with pots already on the, on the signal path. Right. Because you're definitely going to get a hotter, brighter signal if you don't have any pots in in the signal. So I wonder, I wonder how much of that, like if they're, if that's just built into the the entire process. I, I know so little about developing pickups that I don't even really know how that how they approach that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't... But it's, I think like all this other stuff, like, I mean, there's even the blender pot, which we didn't really talk about much, where, where you can, that you'll see this a lot, a lot on like, well, I guess it's kind of, similar to the what my bass is set up but usually you'll see it on three pickup guitars where it'll be like you've got a neck pickup and a bridge pickup and then you've got like a middle pickup on a blender on a blender right, pot right uh which is also a very interesting way to use these things and has its own sort of repercussions but i don't I've, i i guess my main learning from this dave is that i haven't done enough experimenting with yeah these types of things in my guitars i've always just kind of left them except for one on my sg i do have some push pull pots that i put in do there. you which, the, but does it not, do? that does um, on the tone knobs I have. Actually, Max Crow did this for me years ago. We call it the Genital Hercules mod because his band sure. was called Genital oh, Hercules. Nice. Uh, one, it's got the P90s, one uh, puts them in or out of phase with each other, and the other one puts them in series or parallel with each other. Okay. So, in the series, if you go up to the neck pickup selection and then pull the series switch out, it runs the bridge pickup into the neck pickup and then out. Cool. And that is a very loud, nasty sound. Yeah. Which is sort of like almost having a boost pedal built into your guitar. Fuck. Which is pretty neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do they manufacture that? Like That was a- what Jimmy Page would do on some of his really? guitars. And that's where I got the idea originally. I, there, are, there are some guitars that do that, but the in-phase, the phase uh, series thing, uh, or I'm sorry, the series parallel thing, Uh, that isn't as common. The phase is way more common where you have like, you either put the guitars in and out of phase or you do coil taps on humbuckers where you like pull the, them down to single coils. But you don't see the, the series uh, parallel thing as much.
1: Or like, is that like what the Jazzmaster does? Like the switch?
0: The Jazzmaster switch pulls, so that's a separate, it has basically two separate tone circuits yeah it switches it down to the rhythm circuit and which the, it, that gives it its own volume and tone knob and then the and, wheels are the other and the two. wheels yeah the wheels do one does volume one does tone right and that's typically just for the, the neck pickup and it's a much darker overall sound mm-hmm. than you'd even get it's possible to get out of the uh, other side hmm. so but no it's yeah the, the, i i don't the jaguar has more those extra switches up on top and mm-hmm. that does some of the I, again, it does phase. I, I'm not sure if it does the series. I know the parallel. Mustang
1: does too. the The Fender Mustang
0: guitar. does. It also have those extra Jaguar switches yeah, up top. Yeah, those definitely do uh, phase things. I'm not it sure. Makes, that's I mean, a good it question. It just sounds
1: like, if I could describe it in layman's terms, it makes it sound like it's coming out of like a tiny speaker. Tiny, yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's a phase. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think it has a series parallel actually. Mm. More guitars should have that. It's a cool little feature. Yeah, it's it just is. nasty and loud and noisy and way over the top, but. Sometimes you want that,
1: Dave. Yeah, I. One of these days we're gonna we should open up my P bass and see what the hell's going on with that thing. We should, man. Because it, when I, you know, like it, it's two volumes, so I've got the single coil jazz, and then I've got the standard P bass pickup. Mm. When I and it's it's volume volume, and there's no tone knob. So when I turn up one, you get a nice you know jazz bass sound, or you get a nice you know P bass sound. When you blend them together, you almost get like a humbuckery like weird sound and it almost does feel like it rolls the tone back a little so i don't know it might be a no load pod i'm not really i don't know.
0: i think i think what's more likely happening is that the way it's wired is causing some phasing issues which you just think sound cool which yeah because they probably do
1: well that's why i'm like i don't know if i want to fucks with it because you could it would be easy to get it back to what it was it, okay. yeah, yeah for yeah. sure we should try it
0: let's do it yeah you know what else we should do? Huh. End this fucking beefer of an episode. Yeah, baby. beefy, dude. We got we got after it. Uh, happy spooky season, everybody. We're yep. gonna officially retire the morbid content. I guess nobody <laughs> died no, actually two people died this week. Oh. But they're famous people, so it's we've already heard we've probably already talked about Keith Moon dying on the show before. Maybe Mama Cass for that matter, too. Who knows? Yeah. I always thought she choked to death. Yeah, well that was cause she was fat.
1: Oh, that's yeah. rough.
0: Yeah. All right, with that, <laughs> with that and if you've made it this far, go make some music.